Let's do it then. Fucking do it. All right. Let's, we shouldn't curse on the show. Really? Yeah. Shouldn't do that now after eight years. <laughs> all ages show. <laughs> Let's talk about authorship. All ages over eighteen. Thirty-seven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we old as fuck. All oh. right. What's up to our sidekicks and henchmen out there in the Geek Nation? You're listening to Spoiler Alert. Spoiler Alert. That we gotta we gotta work on that intro uh i'm your host johnny the structure with me this week is rob patey from robpatey.com that's p-a-t-e-y.com and n-a-s-t-y if you're nasty now that's the spelling nasty hi i'm rob <laughs> and mark underscore l underscore miller from mlmillerwrites.com hi mark you usually do me first and rob last i knew it <laughs> <laughs> I'm not first anymore. <laughs> nope. Sorry. Oh. But the rule of auditions yeah. and the the rule of auditions and the rule of human memory, you remember the first and the last and the middle is always forgotten. So he actually gave you an accolade this time. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, I knew that would spin it. Keep going. <laughs> All right. So basically, if you have never listened to this show before, congratulations. Um, yeah. <laughs> we are a comic book uh, discussion show. And uh, we talk about this week's comics. Uh, but first, we're going to get some correspondence. Correspondence from the web. I'd write out Charlotte's butthole. Pew, pew. Welcome to the show. Fuck. Yep. Gets worse. Uh, all right. Uh, so this correspondence is from... Christopher Goodnight, and it says, <clears throat> Dear whoever the hell is hosting the podcast this week, ah. I recently saw a solicit for the Batman Who Laughs Funko Pop, and it got me to thinking. Here is a fantastic character who came from a god-awful event. If it had just been about him and the other alternate universe Batman, it would have been fine. But because they went too big with the event, he is tainted by how convoluted the event was. The only other character I can think of who was fun to read but came from a convoluted event was Layla Miller. She was only really relevant in the X-Factor book, but what a fun ride it was. Peter David took a character that was basically a deus ex machina for House of M and created a great mythos around her. Can you all think of another character like these two? Chris St. Saucy, good night. So we had talked about this before the show, and I said to uh, my friends Mark and Rob, uh, Layla Miller, I forgot that she came from House of uh, House of M. I-, I thought that she was just a Peter David X Factor character, and so uh, that was kind of neat that she actually overshadowed the event that brought her to us. I think. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if overshadowed's the right word because I I I don't know. I love fucking House of M. I thought it was a great event. It was fun. Yeah. Well. 
That's your oh, opinion, okay. man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <so> suck it. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, does uh, there was some stuff. Legion came out of uh, Invasion. Oh, right. Did it? Because they give people powers on Earth, right? Well, yeah. And also, like, Legion was, yeah, that sort of formed out of the Invasion sort of thing, I thought. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it was right before. I don't know. Uh, Legends brought us, uh, like, Blue Blue Beetle and Shazam and all that stuff to the Marvel Universe or to the DC Universe. Oh, I'm thinking those um, were early early ones. I'm I thinking, think I, uh, I don't know anything lately though. Mayday Parker counts, right? Because she came out of the Clone Saga. I guess. And then she had her whole book, her own book for a couple of years. There It was an alternate reality book, but still. Um, uh, X Man from uh, Age of Apocalypse. And don't, don't forget the um, Exiles Blink. Blank, of course. Blank spiky, spiky speedball from uh, House Civil, Civil from War? the uh, Civil War. What spiky was his speedball. Name? Penance, right? Penance, yes. Uh, Are we supposed um, to be doing good characters from shitty events, or should we <laughs> good characters? I lost the. I don't know. Red. I don't even. I'll I haven't really paid attention to the last couple of events. Usually, there's one character that pops out of each event that they try to uh, make into something good. I'll bring up one that'll be controversial for everybody. Let's talk about a decent event, Flashpoint Paradox, that wrought T-shirt Superman, who made a comeback this week in the Sideways Annual. Hey! Sideways is still going, huh? Oh, I know a Flashpoint. Flashpoint Thomas Wayne came out of Flashpoint. Uh, There you go. Yeah, but he's gone. He went away pretty quickly. And also, I don't think that he counts as a... Right, as a character, like they didn't keep him afterwards. They just like revisited right. him during uh, Rebirth. Yeah. Uh, no, they kept him on. Uh, they kept him on Earth too. Oh, did they? Oh, he showed After, up on Earth too. The what? The James Robinson stuff. After Flashpoint, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I gave up on that book really early. Let's see. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Okay, that counts. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Nice. That's a good question, uh, Christopher. Good night. Thank you. Now um, you said you like T-shirt Superman, though. So that's I, where we got into a. I debate. do. Uh, why do you not like T-shirt Superman? He didn't stick. He had no real purpose. The cape looks fucking stupid coming out of a T-shirt. Oh man, I love that with the cuffed. He's got the cuffed jeans at the bottom mm-hmm. and like the Doc uh, Martin you- work boots, and then he's got the white T-shirt and the cape. Oh, I'm into it. Brothers' jeans are baller. I don't mind a superhero in a t-shirt. It makes kind of sense. I love the fashion sense of it. The cape is fucking stupid. Aww. You can't do adventure. In, well, yeah, you can. You can do adventure in jeans. It's better to do it in in khakis, like uh, Indiana Jones. Khakis, like like <laughs> The Rock, like in every Rock movie. He's always wearing khakis. The Rock. T-shirt and khakis. Oh, I didn't know that. That yeah. took us nowhere. what else is new (laughs) that's why we love you so just just a quick note since uh, i've only read one issue of sideways and that was the first issue this annual that came out with superman which is actually partly written by grant morrison which piqued my interest how how was it um Oh, okay, cool. Well, yeah. let's get on to the books from this week. <laughs> Outer Darkness number one came out by uh, John Lehman and Afu Chan. And I believe, was this an image book, y'all? Yeah. Where? It was, yeah. More like Outer Darkness. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I really like this book, actually. You didn't like it? No, I, 
I liked it. I thought oh, okay. it was good. <laughs> well, I liked it too. Yeah, it was... yeah I thought it was good. <laughs> Yeah. It's an interesting combination of sci-fi and supernatural. Although I I don't know if it was a hundred percent successful, but I liked a lot of little little parts of it. I think we're off to a good start. I agree with yeah. you. Um, I want more yeah. horror elements because I was like, oh, what a neat idea! They're <laughs> they're feeding people. So you know, there's been different kind of engines in different sci-fi, right? There's been like warp engines, and there's been I can't think of literally any other engines, but you know what I'm talking about. There's other engines. Uh, I've heard of a goddess. There's the warp engines. There's the jump engines from Battlestar Galactica. There's Star Wars. Just we go into fucking hyperspace. What's the engine where the ship stays still and it moves the universe around the ship? That's a warp theory across a lot of different. That's all uh, of them. Okay. Spectrums. Yeah. But this one. Oh, is... oh, oh! It's the it's the Richards burrito. It's the Richard's burrito where where they, it was a theory from Peggy Sue got married for time travel, but it can it can transcend any construct. Huh. And the dork who figured it out, his name was Richard, and he told Kathleen Turner, Peggy Sue in the classroom, where it's like a burrito where everything folds in on itself. If space is curved, it stands to reason in places where it's collapsed, the curve would envelop into an oval. Wow. So, but... Is that where is that where Gerard Way smoke? is that where Gerard Way came up with the burrito at the beginning? Well, that of was Doom a euro. Oh, that was a euro. Never mind. Okay, sorry. Yep, completely different. invalid. Completely it's different. a different food. <laughs> completely different. Sorry. Yeah. No, I loved I, I loved the the uh, the prologue. I guess you would call it of this before mm-hmm. they do three weeks later. I just I I like that whole part of it. You know. Yeah, so basically what? They're, Instead of an asteroid field in space that they're they're driving into, it's like some sort of like spirit field or ghost field or something? Yeah, they're like throwing rocks. Yeah. They're throwing they're throwing asteroids. Yeah, hey, real weird. They have hey, like asteroids in their like in their uh clutches. Yes. It seems. And they're like guiding it towards them, I guess. But then also they hey. enter the they enter the ship and they sort of um, take over different crew members. And they, instead of uh, just like, you know, Ensign Spock or whatever, communications officer, officer Uhura, you have like a telepath, you have like a voodoo guy. Um, so it's, it's a little bit more spiritual. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, they had, they had tele, I mean, Counselor Troy was a telepath. On oh yeah, she was, wasn't she? Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. Never mind. <laughs> it, I'm, I'm guessing what I'm guessing what happened, and they don't really reveal in this issue, which is fine. They can do a slow burn on it. Is that at the same time we started to discover space, we also transcended the line between the spiritual and the supernatural, or we transcended the line between the spiritual and the supernatural, and that's what allowed us to go and colonize space. Because of course, whenever we discover something, we rape, pillage, and harvest it towards our own advantage to go consume more shit. And Sounds then they about capture, right. Yeah. Then they yeah. capture this, uh, they capture a god in the engine, and that's the power of their engine, and they, they feed them prisoners. Yeah, I think it's really yeah. interesting. I really like the idea behind this, just taking Star Trek and mushing it together with, like, I don't fucking know, like, a Event Horizon or something. Um, yeah. Something horror-based. Saw- a little- Ghosts, yeah. 
Layman talks about that in the um, the afterwards that he you know he just feels that horror is underserved, and he mentions Event Horizon as one of the examples. Well, it's one of the best space horror movies, I would think. That and like mm-hmm. Aliens, well, Aliens, and, yeah. and uh, yeah. what are there other good horror space? Oh, Life! I liked Life a lot actually, but it was basically Aliens mm-hmm. again. The Arrival, Annihilation. Oh, Annihilation! That was a good one, yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, or that's more sci-fi horror. Yeah, I honestly I didn't know what to expect from this. Uh, just seeing the cover of it told me nothing. Uh, there's nothing about this cover that drew me in really. I, I like the artist and I like the interior artist as well. Uh, I think the cover looks nice, but I didn't understand what I was signing up for by just the cover. I, maybe I just didn't look at it closely enough. So I'm glad you guys uh, picked this book to read this week because uh, otherwise I don't think I would have bothered with it. Uh, I definitely enjoyed it though. I'm gonna probably read number two as well. Yeah, it's cool. Um, I, I do like the cover. Um, the inside, well, the whole thing is, it's a little bit too, I always have this weird thing with cartoony stuff and horror, but, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Just, the coloring helps with it a lot, because there's, like, there's like a lot of grunge on this. Uh, it looks like the uh, Afu-chan also did the coloring, too. Mm-hmm. But the coloring, I like the coloring of it, where it's kind of muted and gravelly. It's like yeah. marbly, so yeah, that's kind of cool. It takes it down a notch from being too vivid. Because if it was like really vivid and this cartoony art, I think it it, it would be a more of a turnoff. But yeah. the gravelly actually makes it a little bit. Cooler. Yeah, there's a texture to the coloring process here yeah. that I like. Also, the the artist does something pretty neat that I always like to see when it's done well. Uh, I like it a lot. I can't actually seem to make it go well in my own artwork, but basically you've filled your, well, let's say we're looking at the main characters, the captain, uh, his jacket, and uh, there's yellow and gray and white in there. And then the outline, instead of being a straight up black, is just a darker color of that yellow, of that white, of that gray, um, yeah. which which I like a lot. It gives it sort of like a cartoony, cel-shaded look. Um, yeah. But I always like that. I think that's really cool. Yeah, I didn't notice that until you pointed it out, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, But yeah, I'm, I'm really into this. Rob, what do you think? Rob, do you want it? Do you like it? What are you doing? I do. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think it's a good idea. It's a good concept. I love that, you know, the um, instead of using like tachyons or dilithium crystals or water in Battlestar Galactica again, they use the souls of prisoners to feed the demon god engine. I thought that was a cool concept as well. Yeah, agreed. I think uh, if if there was a show like this, I'd be more inclined to watch something like this than I am any of the Star Trek type shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think I need a little bit of horror in my sci-fi. I like the uh, I like this devil-headed guy who used to be the captain. And, yeah, uh, so, and Idris Elba comes in and replaces him. <laughs> I mean, they've, they've they've I mean, Layman stole this a little bit from Doctor Who, or I shouldn't say stole, but um, you know, there've been a couple Doctor Who episodes that have absolutely transcend more than a couple that have transcended between the supernatural and the science fiction using similar themes as this yeah so those stone statues no those are the weeping angels they're the di- angel things it's a little different yeah those are scary though 
Oh, they're scary as fuck. That's, I mean, some have been some of the best television ever. I mean, the Weeping Angels are essentially, whenever you turn around, they move. So anytime you close your eyes, you blink. Because I think the episode was called Don't Blink that introduced them. So every time you blink, these devil angels with fangs and gnawing fangs would come closer to you. But when you would open your eyes and look at them, they'd turn into a statue again, like at that moment to attack. Creepy as fuck. Yeah, it's you know, one of the only two episodes I've watched of Doctor Who. And that's it's great. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I could do that. Just jump right. I mean, once I saw one episode, I was hooked on the whole thing. Yeah. Well, we were we were filming a uh, a pilot for uh, sci-fi, um, or not? I guess um, not a not a pilot, but like a, um, a sizzle reel. We were filming a sizzle reel. Um, they wanted to do a show in my store, and so we were filming a pilot. And one of them, one of the things we were talking about was uh, that episode of Doctor Who. So um, oh, okay. I had no choice but to just jump right in. Um, mm. Yeah, so I'm definitely going to read number two of this, Outer Darkness, by John Lehman. I never really read Chew. Did you guys read Chew? Because that was his other yeah. book, right? Oh, yeah. I read it for like two and a half years, three years. Oh, sh- should I? I thought it was amazing. I thought it was really great. It was, you know, a paranormal a detective basically can eat things. Now, he Lehman made it a little weird in that, you know, the whole culture was a little more foodie. Then, you know, played up that foodie element to be more permeable through all of society than I personally feel it is or should be. Mm-hmm. But uh, outside of that, you know, the whole f- fact that this guy, if he ate a finger or ate something, he could uh, trace back the whole history of what had happened and imbibe the memories. It was a cool concept. It really was. Yeah, I'm going to go back and check it out um, as soon as I have time. Oh, <sighs> God damn it. Um, yeah. Oh, you know what? I'm going to pause real quick. Hold on just a second. I want to bring up these um, Noel things. Oh, yeah, we should. We forgot. Hey, um, cult poppers. Uh, is that a thing? Cult poppers? Can it be a thing? Should it be a thing? Regardless. What this is the other guy. Uh, I'm not able to be on the show tonight um, because life is lifing me right now. But that's regardless. I wanted to annoy all of you and especially oh. all of the other co-hosts. And record a couple of messages. I'm going to record three. Sorry I'm not there, but I did read some of the books that they're going to discuss tonight. So I'm going to leave two quick messages about my thoughts of those books. So um, super editors can just like slab those chunks in when they start talking about the books. Because then it would be weird. In this little weird introduction, I would just say, hey, I like oh these God. books that they're not going to talk about yet. It's like giving away. So I figured I would just do it this way. Um, also, in hopes it would annoy Mark and <laughs> and Rob, just in hopes of it. I don't know. It's kind of my goal. Regardless, it's working. Um, sorry, I couldn't be there. But if they play this, I'm glad I was. Oh included. my god, it's still going. Oh God, Jesus. Oh sweet Lord. Okay, so uh, uh, oh fuck. Um, so Marvel Knights by Donny Cates and Travel Foreman, put out by. Marvel, uh, Marvel Knights was basically, God damn it, 20 years ago? That's That can't be right. No. How come it's called MK20? It would be 20 is, years it, ago it then. It is 20 years ago, yeah. Fuck me. Yep. Yeah, we're old. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. So this, anyway. was where, this was where David Hasselhoff, you know, they go out on the town and they fight werewolves and and monsters no no this uh close this is when joe quesada you know marvel was having just fucking the worst the worst luck and joe quesada came in and did a whole more mature version of the marvel universe using a couple of characters uh-huh. called the marvel that was 
that was Baywatch Nights. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right. Different. Different. I can see how you would get confused about that. Well, he he did play Nick K or Nick Nick Fury. Oh, that's yeah. right. He did. No, he did. Yeah. Yeah. So it's um, sort of relevant. All right. I wonder. I wonder what Noel has to say about Marvel Knights number one. Oh boy! I bet it's. I bet it's long and annoying. Let's see. Marvel Knights number one by Cates and Foreman. Um, I dug the shit out of this. It felt like a, like a late '90s, early 2000 event book for Marvel uh, that didn't have 45,000 tie-ins. Like just a just a solid fun story. Um, I dig the concept so far. The cover by Jeff Shaw is amazing. And Travel Horman's art is always really fun. I'm not a giant fan of the coloring in this because um, I think I remember when he was doing uh, his DC books. Was it was it Animal Man? Yeah. Like there was a it was a different yeah. color or, or inker, and it just it had a, a kind of a lighter touch, and it was it was nice. This is still good. It just wasn't. It's not the same. Um, or what <laughs> I like of his stuff. Uh, I dig this. I dig this a lot, and. Donny Cates is, is becoming like that go-to writer for me who, who keeps having fun with characters that I never gave a shit about before, like Venom, <laughs> the Inhumans, and now something I didn't think about for a decade at least, which is Marvel Knights. So this is cool. I'm, I'm in. I hope you guys liked it too. Uh, yeah, man. Actually, I was surprised about this. This is another book that I looked at and I went, oh, here we go. It's another one of those just... We're going to put something out because we feel like we have to as opposed to having a good reason for it. Um, it's an anniversary book, so let's just put out something with the name on it. And I got to say, man, I actually really enjoyed this. What did you think, Mark? Yeah, I thought it was okay. Um, it's it's functioning, I guess, outside of our continuity. I guess this is Marvel Knights continuity that, like, more tied into Kevin Smith's run and uh, – um, what was that Fantastic Four? It was called Four. It was just four, the number four, right? Yeah, okay. yeah. And uh, also, I think there was a there was a Hulk. I think Marvel Knights one. <laughs> remember, I think was remember everyone's favorite. It was the Punisher, where he was yeah. like a vengeance angel, and he could yeah. summon yeah. angel <laughs> angel machine guns. Yeah, yeah. The the <laughs> the second worst Punisher run since uh, Frankencastle. Frankencastle. Yeah, um, you had that, but um, you know it's it's interesting. I kind of like the the kingpin part a little bit more than the others because I felt that the the uh, the Matt Murdock part kind of went on a little bit too too long. Well, he was uh, he's um, our main character here, so I know, I know, but I I, I would have liked to have seen it from a couple of different perspectives, and I I I just found the the kingpin bits like towards the end to be much more interesting for me. So I I wanted. Uh, I, I was much more rather like wondering why Kingpin is bowing down to Doctor Doom. You know? Yeah, I gotta say I had a I had a emotional response to that, which was a little bit of sadness seeing the Kingpin <laughs> literally fall to his knees in front of uh Doctor Doom there. That it felt weird. Yeah. But I mean I guess he literally did that in well, spoiler alert, Daredevil season three, but um he was more like beaten to his knees. But Yeah. 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 I wonder if it has something to do with Vanessa. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe he's saving her soul or yeah, I don't know what it is. Or maybe he promises that he can beat, beat Matt Murdock once and for all, but he, he doesn't remember everything either. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Bullseye doesn't remember. Uh, yeah. Everybody. So, um, yeah, I liked it. I thought it was decent. Um, again, I wasn't a hundred percent sure what I was reading at first, having to harken back to, 
Marvel Knights being as sep- why is why was this a Marvel Knights book though? I don't understand. Well, that's it what I didn't. I kept thinking of. Or, I kept confusing know? it with um like uh, Ultimate Universe because the Marvel Knights wasn't really its own universe. It like all of these things actually happened in continuity, like right. uh, Karen Page yeah. getting killed by Bullseye and all that stuff. Yeah, I picked this up and I couldn't realize. I felt that, like Bug said, the alternate reality, alternate universe, and then that didn't jive with what I know about Marvel Knights. So why come this book? Well, let me ask you this, though. Are we just assuming it's a different reality and not main Marvel continuity? Could this be taking place in main Marvel? But uh, I think it could be. It could be like Mesmero or Mysterio again. Um, it could be, you know, someone doing a grand illusion and uh, mind wipe. Well, it's Doom. Is it Doom that's doing it? Or is he just taking advantage of this part of it? I got the vibe he was pulling the strings. Yeah. I mean, it might be. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, well, no, he says, thing he is, says, so Doom says there is a dragon wrapped around the machine, Wilson. One even I cannot best. Uh, so there's someone. Yeah, he's not in charge of it either. It doesn't seem like. OK. All right. Yeah. Well, the thing that that kind of bothered me a little bit is that they kind of just did. Uh, everybody forgets kind of story in Daredevil yeah. in order to clean up his uh, secret identity being released or revealed. Uh-huh. And so this feels a little bit. Um, like it's it's retreading, uh, just kind of like yeah. telling a telling a story that's very similar. It's different, but it's it's very similar. Remind uh, me, um, how was how did they hide Matt Murdock's identity? Okay, so the Purple Man, uh, I believe he was after the Purple Man. Purple Man's children, uh, I guess the Purple Man was trying to kill his children. I think maybe, and they, he, they were still in San Francisco, and. It, the, all the children defeated the Purple Man and then decided to, uh, with with Daredevil's help, and then decided to help Daredevil by focusing all their power onto the whole world and having everybody forget Matt Murdock was Daredevil. Okay. Yeah, mm. not the greatest thing, but... Not the it, worst. It, it, it's the, it's, it's, uh, it's kind not, of like am, everyone has amnesia, basically. It's not a deal with Mephisto, so cool. No, it's not. Yep. Yeah, you're right. So, so there's that. Um, Frank Castle as a as a police officer that sounds interesting, and it looks like Matt Rosenberg is going to be writing part two next in a couple of weeks. So he's been doing a decent job with the Punisher. Oh, there's going to be rotating writers on this. Looks like it. Yeah, that's neat. Hmm. But um, they're both good writers, so I liked the art, but I do think that um, his 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 kingpin's a little skinny. Um, it's more of a Vincent D'Onofrio than a really comic book kingpin that we have. Um, and I don't like that picture of, the, of uh, Deadshot. I, I, or not Deadshot. Bullseye? Bullseye, yeah. Hmm. I don't know. What? He just doesn't... Like, the art seems very rushed in that bullseye, that first bullseye scene when he's like takes off his hat and then reveals huh. the bullseye. I don't know. It felt very rushed to me. I thought I was kind of a fan. I liked how scar tissue and nasty the the bullseye looked yeah it seems on par with uh foreman's usual work i will say i Noel pointed out something about the line work in this and it's very very different from the stuff we saw in animal man uh i remember being really creeped out and bothered by his work in animal man uh there's cross hatching was so egregious in that um that's why that's why i'm saying how this feels rushed you know it, it just feels like feels a little like he couldn't put in the time 
like I love that scene where he sees the Fantastic Four and he doesn't see the Fantastic Four. He sees their, they're they're out in like street clothes and he sees them as like monsters. Stretchy, yeah, well, with stretchy powers and uh, you know, Invisible Woman's hardly there and the Human Torch is on fire, so he sees the flame waves and stuff. So that's kind of cool. But uh, then when Ben Grimm looks in the reflection in the mirror, he looks like a normal dude. You know? Yeah, yeah. Which was a nice yeah. little scene, actually, I thought, to make it you know, clear that um, – because it's the first time that you start to get a ga- grasp that most of the world has been changed. Yeah. No well, one is you... – no, no one is woke. Right. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. <coughs> no, I thought this was a pretty interesting story. I, I'm going to read number two as well. Yeah, it was okay. What did you think of the obvious uh, picture in the back of this splash page? That seemed a little lazy to me. There's a splash page of of Matt Murdock bending down on his knees to uh, Karen Page. And in the background, it's obviously just a shot of the skyline. uh, And it's blurry. And you can see where it was basically cut and pasted. You can see the white lines around it. Oh, I'm looking. I don't see the white lines. Towards the bottom, looking around her legs, Matt Murdock's waist. It just doesn't, you know, it's obviously two different things. It's just overlaid kind of on there. Gotcha. You know, it's just not, I don't know. That didn't bother I just, me. I don't know. I just didn't like that. Yeah, but, I didn't uh, see it. I don't know. But, uh, I mean, it, it was it was a solid book. I mean, yeah. it's better than I thought it was going to be. You're right. I thought this was going to be a throwaway. Oh, that was the other thing. Has Jennifer Walters ever, why has there never been, fought, you know, Nelson and Murdoch and Walters? They've teamed up a couple of times, but not, yeah. like, guests in each other's books, but that's about it. I feel like you could have a whole book with, like, I don't know. I think that's kind of neat. That would be cool if, like, uh, you kind of partner them up for, like, uh, a bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm surprised we haven't seen it more. You know, it seems so obvious. But The anyway. only firm she was ever part of was that superhero firm. The rest of the time she's mainly been a solo practitioner. Yeah, yeah where uh, they had the Toucan Kid and, and uh, Dragon Man was, like, the uh, – no, the Super Adaptoid was – like the intern that would go around, he would draw on the on a chalkboard. The... Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was awesome, Andy. Right? Awesome, Andy. Yeah, yeah you're right. You're right. That was a Dan was... Slot book, wasn't it? Yep. yep. Yeah, that was fun. I think that was like his big. That was his big debut, like at Marvel. Mm-hmm. He did such a good job with that book. Yeah, it was great. All right, let's move on to Batman number fifty-eight. Part of you know, still continuing Tom King's run uh, with art by Mikkel Janin. And this is uh, a uh, whatchadilly. It's the Penguin. Penguin doing some stuff. You said you really liked this, Mark. Tell us why. I, I did. This is really good. And uh, one of my favorite characters in Gotham, yes, I'm still watching Gotham, um, is the Penguin. And I think that he has been developed as to one of the one of the really coolest characters of that show. And this feels like a like a push path, like a like it, this humanized the Penguin in ways that you know you haven't seen him. Lately, I think in comics, at least. Well, it brought him. It brought him down a peg as well. He's humiliated. He's deloused to go in Arkham Asylum, and then is Penny Cobblepot his sister? I guess. Yeah, it took me a while to figure that out. It's his sister. Yeah. Okay. Is it okay? I didn't know if it was sister or maybe girlfriend or whatever. But uh, they never they never really talk about her or show her. So I don't know if she was. Is she wait, beloved son and husband? Okay, but she's young. She's younger than him. Yeah, I didn't know if it was like she was a daughter or something. Even you know, no, she was born in 1968, and he was born in 1970. 1998. 
1998. Oh, you're right. Yeah, it's not his sister. Fuck. Beloved daughter and wife. So they said that his father wanted to see her. So maybe he was married to her at some point, but I don't know what she was. Maybe it's and down here. It says two distinct divisions. known. number there is love was slain. I don't know what that means, but uh, I guess. Oh, I guess that it contain it continues this this thing on the combo pot one where it says so they loved as love in twain had the essence but in one two distinct divisions done number there is love in slain i don't know very poetic i'm gonna be honest about that uh when i saw that it was um a bunch of caption boxes with that on there uh i skipped all the caption boxes it was okay I mean, it's he's quoting from somewhere. I'm not sure where he's quoting from. Does they do they say where he's quoting from? Um, I, don't, I don't think they do. No, I don't see where because it's all the penguin just talking. Well, you would think that they would have to give uh, credit to something like it in the credits at the beginning or something like that. But I will no. that. Not if it's past. Not if it's public domain. You can do whatever the fuck you want with it. True, but it's a huge part of this story. Yeah. The Phoenix and the Turtle by William Shakespeare. Ah, well, who's uh, that? Yeah. Who's that guy? Yeah, I never heard of him. Public domain. Would, still, I mean, even if it's public domain, still, it's like, why do you have to be, I mean, still, give credit where credit's due. You didn't write that shit. Yeah. No, he, even, he starts out and he, he does this quote uh, when he has to, I, I, I like the start of it because he finds out she's dead. And then he goes out and immediately lashes out against Batman. It gets thrown into Arkham. I love that. I, I love it that he has this emotional reaction to when she dies. And then he, he knows he's going back to Arkham. It reminds me of uh, of Cell Block, uh, Brawl in Cell Block 99. Has anyone seen it? Where it's like the guy has to get, he has to get thrown in jail and take out somebody in jail in order to save his wife. Basically, that's what the story. Hmm. That's how the story goes. So he has to keep getting sent into the worst jail, to a to a to a worse jail, and they keeps on going to the very worst pit of hell where this guy is staying. And that's that's the story. So it just reminds, hmm. it just makes it kind of cool that Bane is underneath Arkham somewhere, and so in order to get there, he has to be beat up by Batman, which is kind of cool. It's like a gauntlet he has to run. And then but he then gets wasn't out. Batman standing next to Bane? I don't think that was Batman, though. I think that was a statue, maybe? What the fuck? Why would Bane have a statue of Batman sitting around? Just a punch. Every now and then. Uh, oh, all right. Cool. He breaks its Make back sure. every now and then. Does mm-hmm. a couple body slams. Maybe he nuzzles up to it at night. Whenever he does back-breaking training. Yes. Yes. That's what it is. But, uh... Yeah, and I just like I, I mean I just really like the way he handled Penguin in this. I liked it when it, uh I like the reverence his uh his uh bodyguards show him and they're like, Sorry boss, sorry boss. Yeah, they're afraid of him, but still he's like uh he's like, I'm sorry, boss. Yeah, sorry, boss. She was a hell of a gal. And he goes, The best. And then he goes, Business. Yes, boss, yes, boss. You know, it's like uh you know, he's it's just cool. It just makes him show that they're they're very respectful and fearful of him. You know, even though he's a little chubby, little grunty guy. But he's a psychopath, so yeah, yeah. be afraid. Um, most small guys are. Yeah. I, I was hoping he wouldn't kill Alfred. I hope this was I was hoping this wasn't gonna be another let's kill Alfred scenario, but uh I'm glad it didn't turn into that. 
What would you think of the uh, Gordon Batman exchange? Gordon Batman's a dick. Well, he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to like you know show his uh, like weakness. No, he waffles between being familiar and friendly with Gordon, and then being a dick and being cold and elusive. And to me, that's kind of a cock tease. That's kind of douchey. Well, he's doing the same thing that that Penguin's doing. Like he's 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 got some emotions going. And uh, doesn't want to deal with him right now. So he goes out and treats the commissioner like an asshole. Yeah, it's the best way to get things from somebody. I guess. Douchey. Uh, the art's good. Is this Art Mike McCone? Mikhail uh, Janin? Oh, Janin. Yes. Okay, okay. Um, what'd you think of it, JD? Uh, it was okay. I was I can't say I was impressed by anything in it. Um, I was confused as to who the Penguin was upset about, Penny Cobblepot, because I don't know who that is. Um, I feel like that should be explained. I thought it was interesting that Alfred is hanging upside down cleaning the dinosaur, but he's like fucking 80 years old. Um, he's I, spry. He's I guess it's supposed back. to... I wondered if that was on purpose since we know that someone's going to be coming after him. So I was wondering if that was supposed to make us realize that he is more fit than, you know, his age might make us think he is. Um, but I think, Al- I think Alfred's in his like early mid fifties, dude. Shut up. I was thought he was in his twenties. But- who, who, who's, uh, and, and the penguin's only a little older than us. That's kind of sad. <laughs> penguin, yeah, I was gonna say Penguin was born nineteen seventy. I went, ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, kind of um, yeah, but I'm gonna say if Master Bruce is in his early thirties at this point, Alfred's only in like his mid fifties. Yeah, he's and and they've totally rewritten Alfred to be like a, you know, he was like an SS agent, not an SS agent. What's the British? Yeah, SS is Nazis. Not SS. No, but he's like, he was a British Secret Service, whatever that is. MI6. MI6, MI6 yeah. that's what it is. See, I knew it was something. But... Yeah, I knew yeah, it was SS, something. Sure. I knew it was words. <laughs> yeah, and things. <laughs> I was so close. But I, yeah, I, I, just... I hope they go back and go deep for deep cuts for uh, <laughs> like Superman 2 and maybe do a Chloe series. I really want to see a Chloe series. <laughs> you really can't do Chloe anymore since she's going to be in jail for. Free. I know that's what oh, I'm saying. For her sex cult. Oh, I'd rather weird. see. I'd rather see her. Uh, you know, see her secret adventures than Alfred's. Mm. So anyway, Batman Fifty Eight was just fine. I didn't really care about it. I, it's, it's all not, right. It's, it's way better the... than that. La- it's way better than that last piece of shit we read with uh, the Nightwing story. Oh, I love the night. Oh, the one you guys didn't like. I thought you meant where he Correct. was shot. Because uh, I like the one yeah. where he was shot. The flashback one, yeah. I think, you're talking about. You're talking about the one by yes. um, the guy who created Mage, Tom, Matt Wagner. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Didn't like that one. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm into this one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really read through this arc. I liked it that, uh, you know, it ends with him and Batman talking and saying, and he goes, uh, he goes, we have the the Wayne Butler in our sights. You want us to pull, to pull the trigger on a boss? He was like, no, I think perhaps not. Instead, kill the pilot and kill yourself now. Okie dokie. <laughs> yeah, it's a, you got it, boss. <laughs> bang, bang. And uh, the guy dies, which is pretty freaking awesome. But oh, uh, it's good. Yeah. But now there's a crashed helicopter on the Wayne lawn. 
So do they explain no. why the penguin can do that? Like that seems like a Mad Hatter thing to me, like a mind control kind of thing, right? Well, I think he's just mm. such a badass. He's such a badass gangster that they know that if they don't do what he says, he'll kill their maybe they anyway. have a good, yeah he'll kill their family or kill oh, them or see, yeah. mm-hmm. maybe they're family men and they know that the penguin will take care of his family for the rest of their lives. I gotcha. There that it makes is. sense. I'm into it. Uh, Green Green Lantern, I'm sorry, The Green Lantern Zero, or number one, by Grant Morrison and Liam Sharp. So, Green Lantern number one by Grant Morrison and Liam Sharp. Uh, Overall, I dug it. Um, It was like a tale of two books. The first half was very, very weird. Like, dropped you right in. Felt very kind of like 2000 AD-ish. And then this person who calls himself Hal Jordan shows up and he isn't like the Hal Jordan that's been in the books for the last couple of years, which at first I felt kind of whiffy about, but then started to dig it because this is just space cop being a space cop. Um, I dug it. I'm, I'm in. Uh, there's a chance that this can go way too Grant Morrison-y, like his Batman run did, where it just became almost incomprehensible unless you remembered every single aspect of every issue. Or this will be fun, like the, his JLA run. So I'm hoping for the latter, and we'll see. Uh, I would totally recommend picking this bad boy up. Nice. Um, hmm. 2000 AD. That was an interesting um, reference. Uh, I, I agree with that, actually. It didn't occur to me, but in retrospect, I think that's pretty accurate. Um, yeah, uh, I was surprised, too, at how little this had to do with anything that came before it. Uh as far as like recent Green Lantern continuity, um, but then again, I you know I'm not reading the. I, I think I stopped reading around the time Jeff Johns left. Uh, once he wrapped up oh, his wow. run, I went, I'm good. And every so often, I would dip in and I'd go, Nope, don't care, and I would just stay off of it. Mm. But um, I'm definitely interested with what he's doing here. How do you guys feel? Is is Grant Morrison a good fit for this title? I guess I'm more intrigued by why you feel this is so different than past iterations where you've come in and dabbled because I was not getting that vibe. Um, different in that maybe um, it felt like they were just continuing where Jeff Johns left off, even though he sort of wrapped up his run on the character and they weren't saying mm-hmm. anything new that was interesting to me that Jeff Jeff Johns didn't do. And now we're getting a fresh start that feels like a fresh start. It feels like um, he's just coming in and just starting from scratch a little bit with the character. Okay. That's fair. And I think that's, I, you know, I read some of the uh, interviews they had with Graham Morrison in the back of a few of the other DC books. And that's exactly what they were trying to do was just restart it from his, you know, sort of his, I'm about lays about um, side of him because they mentioned in the book, you know, you're the a test Jack pilot. Kerouac. He's like Jack Kerouac. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Wandering around, not really being able to hold down a job or anything. It you know? wasn't quite weird enough for me, though, for a Graham Morrison book, to be honest. I was not, I and I still am not, in complete love with the art. Um, now, I... I I think this might actually come from uh, the cover because I really hate the cover. Uh, I think that the cover is very stiff. Um, it, it seems weirdly his body is like so long, you know, and uh, it, it just feels weird. You know, it, I, I when I saw that cover, I was like, oh, I, I don't 
like this. But it got better as it go it went in. Um, still, some of the characters are a little stiff, uh, and it, yeah. like this guy, uh, you know, even the first page, he's just standing there with an arched back behind the other guy. I don't know. It's just weirdly, just art wise, um, I wasn't in love with it completely. I 100% agree. I've never really been... I haven't seen anything by Liam Sharp that made me um, excited. Uh, you know, he's he's not an incapable artist. Uh, he definitely has his own style and everything. And there's definitely a lot... There's a lot of work put into this book. Uh, the art yeah. is, is very intricate and there's a lot of designing going on. I think yeah. a lot of the alien designs are very interesting. But when I saw that uh, Grant Morrison was going to be writing it and Liam Sharp was going to be drawing it, I was a little... I don't want to say disappointed, but I was like, oh, well, hopefully it's because he, he feels a little bit like that other gentleman um, who did Moon Knight for a while. He, he uses a lot of inks. He's very dark. Stephen Platt. He's like a Platt. It's like a Platt. But no, yeah. no, it's not him. But yes, like a Platt. Um, uh, Finch. Yeah, David Finch. David. Yeah. OK, um, this the for some reason, though, this one has much tighter lines than I'm used to in a Liam Sharp book. So I, I appreciate that. Um, it's much cleaner. Once it got into the story and and how Jordan showed up, I, it felt a lot better for me. Um, yeah. yeah, it's kind of a shakeup of the status quo. Um, I, I it's it's kind of like Grant Morrison at this first part. I don't know what to absorb and what to just say. Oh, that's just Grant Morrison saying a weird word um it's it, he he over he's almost overflowing with these ideas at the beginning with this guy whose finger his finger gets ripped off and he just his finger just kind of floats around with him now as, i thought that was uh, awesome it was cool but it's like what's the I, I thought i didn't think that's how i thought lanterns could heal themselves and do stuff like that but no Maybe not. I don't know. I did love the viral lantern, and that's where I thought this book was going initially, was that we were going to see that, you know, it's not just the Greenland, that within a space sector, 2814, there's a billion other sectors as you go into the micro-universe. Not even the not even just the micro-universe, but the different, uh, like, uh, uh, radiation levels and light the light spectrum, yeah, the light spectrum, stuff like that, and that was interesting, you know. So it it shows that like there there it gets into that whole kind of like from beyond. Remember that old movie from beyond where there is like a, other universal creatures floating around you and you just don't see it hmm. because it's on a different frequency, and so uh, it's it reminds me a, a little bit of of that a tiny bit. Um, when it goes sure. back, that goes back to you know the ancient texts of. You know the the you know we're all uh, the world is living upon the back of a giant cosmic space turtle or whenever yeah. they stoned in the '60s and said, "What if we're just an atom on the thumb of a giant?" Right? Yeah, sad concept. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think if if anyone's gonna be able to tackle that, I think it's Morrison. I think he could do a great job right. with that. It looks like the Weaponeers are making oh the Black Stars. Oh, okay, that's what they are. Black Stars are making a yellow. Green Lantern? I thought that was the antimatter universe. Because remember, the Weaponeers were originally controlled by the Anti-Monitor. Yeah. So I'm thinking that that's the Hal Jordan of the antimatter universe. They keep going into this, you know, we saw it in Sideways where they go into the fucking, that stupid dark multiverse again. 
Yeah. Um, there's a lot of the dark verse, the dark side. Now, if that's the case, I'm more sold on this book because I would love to see Graham Morrison resurrect, deal with the, uh, you know, the anti-monitor and the ability to destroy multiverses. I'm sure, and I'm sure that's probably where he's going. Um, it's interesting, though. Um, there are spiders in that book. There's a, the, the creatures in here are spiders like the. Like the one of the one of the creatures is a spider guy. Um, Grant Morrison must have a thing about with spiders, I guess. Um, but wasn't there a spider thing in the uh, Seven Soldiers thing? There was like a giant spider that they were fighting. I don't remember a lot about the Seven Soldiers. Yeah, I don't either. We should. Are you talking about the Seven Soldiers appearances week and Sideways Annual Number One? That yeah. and that and the series itself. I seem to remember like oh. some type of spider cult or something almost like exo manowar but not not that spite those spiders but mm. something else right. um i do like i like it that they uh the people possessing uh, the or the the uh whatever aliens possessing these hobos that get into a fight here uh with hal jordan um i like it that they don't really have a handling of the language it yeah. reminded me of men in black a lot uh when uh uh, uh it's a D'Onofrio's character just couldn't couldn't really say things right, but um, he sort of had an understanding of the language, but didn't understand all the words and everything. So that was kind of cool because it's like different cultures. But um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, it was a I think it was a strong first issue. It 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 it, it won me over the more that I that I that I read it, um, but I really hated the cover for some reason, and that mm. that it was a bad start for me. Mm. Uh well he's he he's built like the fucking rock. Yeah. Like Dwayne the Rock. Yeah. Like he's got huge fucking biceps. Yeah. His biceps are bigger than his head. Yeah. It's just yeah, it's 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 a it harkens back to kind of 90s um comic book art that just felt like really kind of I don't know. Yeah. Complete egregious. body dysmorphia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look yeah. at his head, his body is like 12 heads long. Like if you get the, or not 12, but at least six or seven, you know? Yeah, yeah. it's six like, heads long just to get to his kneecaps. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you're that's, right, you're that's right. huge. I mean, his yeah. body is just really long and elongated and everything. When I don't the know. Fuck the, when, when did heads become a unit of measurement? When you're drawing the human body, when comic artists draw the human body, they use heads as measurement. Really? Yes. Thank you for they the can do that, but yeah, and, and, and like well, the shoulders are so much. I mean, everything. It, it, yeah, he's he's really disproportionate. He looks like Dave Bautista, actually. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. he's got that huge, those huge, uh, like neck to shoulder muscles, and uh, and those gigantic shoulders, biceps, and everything. Yeah, look at that bicep, Jesus. That's like yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to rag on the right. artist too much, but uh, yeah, it it just doesn't seem to fit. It fits. M- but also, you know, on the other hand, if they're going for more of a horror feel with the aliens and everything, he's he's a great choice for the aliens. He just yeah for Hal, it, it just doesn't feel like Hal Jordan to me. It's very um, uh, well, exaggerated, you know. And I don't even think he draws it Hal that way later on. I just think that's just a bad cover. I, I for some reason that cover just really turned me off when I saw it in the promos of this. And so I was uh, like, later on, he's not he's not. In, I mean, he's in good shape, but he's definitely not disproportionate like he was. Yeah, that's true. Problem. There's, you know, coming soon in the Green Lantern, there's a two-page spread at the back there, and he looks yeah. much thinner and um, manageable. Yeah, there next uh, to Green I, Arrow. 
I love it that um, he's going to be teaming up with Green Arrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, those were always some of my favorite Green Lantern comics. Um, just going back to those Neil Adam days when they when he did that and they were hard traveling heroes and all that stuff. That was just fantastic. So I'll stick around just just until that happens. You know. Yeah, but, I'm definitely uh, going to keep reading this. Um, I'm curious to see if it's going to have you know because you go back about that uh, Grant Morrison Batman runs from like six seven years ago. And there was yeah. a whole bunch of shit going on in that, that, you know, if you go back and reread it, it really adds to the the experience, I think. And I'm wondering if he's going to do that sort of kooky shit here as well. It does. And I, I really think that um, he does load this up with a lot of ideas. And, and just knowing Grim Morrison, I want to uh, I want to uh, like pay attention to every little detail. Mm hmm. But then I don't know if it's like, do I need to retain this, or is this something that <laughs> is just going to be a one and done panel thing? Yeah, I yeah, he's he's do. such an idea generator that yeah. he he's not beyond just using an idea in like one page and then never seeing it again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, which is why I was expecting kookier. I really mm. was. I mean, the viral lantern was good. Oh, I thought that was the so whole, cool. Yeah, the the light spectrum of lanterns within lanterns within lanterns is cool, but then we just kind of stop and do the shift over to the uh, the weaponier as the main threat or at least the catalyst of the plot in the issue two. And now, I go, who, no, I go back, go back, go back to the crazy microversal lanterns. Please. I don't. Know I think you will. What? I don't know the weaponier. Weaponeers. They were like the weaponeers of Quard. I think they were the ones right. that made. They were. They made Sinestro's ring. I see. Right. Okay. Thank you. And oh. the and the weaponeers were originally ruled by the Anti Monitor. Oh, yeah. all right. And so, it, well, and then I I think that this is a good issue in that it, it just throws a bunch of shit at you. They it connects a little bit. It tells a story in itself because we have Hal defeating these three. Uh, these three guys. I like the way he made the guy like grow so big that his hip hip like broke. Um, yeah, that was cool. Um, so yeah, so he he beats these guys, and that's like the adventure for this issue. But then he also sets up a whole bunch of other stuff that um, that it, it has me interested. It's a well, I think it's a really well done issue. That with too many times we see just like a first issue that's like all right, and then whatever happens in this issue is going to continue in the next one. And, and there's no, it doesn't feel like a single issue, but this yeah. has, this has a full fight resolution, a full introduction of stuff and a resolution of that. You introduce these aliens that escape, you introduce this, uh, luck stone. And then there's a little story within that about how the luck stone wasn't really the luck stone and how it, uh, they were just running on their own dumb luck, mm-hmm. which was kind of a fun twist. And then, uh, and then it introduces all this other weird shit that's going on with the anti- antimatter universe and viral, viral Green Lanterns and stuff that hopefully he'll follow up on later on. So I think it'll, I think it's a good, a great, a great structured first issue. Yeah, I'll also say, I'll also say, for, also say for anybody who's been too uh, averse to jumping in the Green Lanterns because they've had a lot of shakeup, they've had a lot of rebuilding, restructuring. Yeah. Uh, this gets rid of all that. It gets rid of the politics and the bureaucracy of, of the Green Lantern universe and, uh, you know, the machinations of running Oa and just gives you, uh, you know, a straight up howl on his own story. Yeah. It also yeah. it also just shows that, you know, like Jeff Johns is a fantastic writer. He did an iconic run on, on Green Lantern. But I it, you just see that, like someone can come on like Grant Morrison and just take it into a completely different area. And it shows that how 
malleable these characters are. I think I think mm-hmm. it's really cool. Cool. Yeah, that, I agree. Um, you know, Morrison can come on and not even mention anything about the emotional spectrum or fear or uh, you know will or any of that stuff, and still have a an intriguing first issue. Yeah, and thank God that there weren't any of the other uh, rainbow spectrum of of um, lanterns because I felt like they were relying so heavily on that after Jeff Johns' run. It was just like it was a neat idea, but let's not beat it into the ground. And then they beat it into the ground. So I'm glad we didn't do more of that here yet. Mm-hmm. Well, at the same time, I would have not that uh, Robert Venditti is not doing a fantastic job on Hawkman, but I would love to see Morrison take on like an obscure character like a Hawkman or something and make that character a big icon, yeah. like uh, or Aquaman or or someone like that. Just just because I feel like Green Lantern has had his he's had his turn. Yeah. And I, I, would, I want, like, someone else to have, like, a mega superstar attached to him mm-hmm. to actually try to make that character work. I don't know. I, no, I, I don't know what know. you mean. I, but, um, but, yeah, I, that's it. That's all I wanted to say. No, you're, I, I agree. Yeah, you're right. But I also am glad to be reading Green Lantern again, like, to be excited oh, yeah. about it. Yeah. So I know I only said I was going to do three, but I, I had to do another one that I forgot. And this one's, this one's for all those fans of Vault of Spiders, number one that I think got cut off from the recording last week um needless to say didn't love it but there's another issue and what makes me excited about this one is that cullen bunn and mark bagley are doing one of the uh, one of the short stories and it's called spiders man it's a (laughs) spider man made of spiders covered in (laughs) spiders got no fucking clue but it sounds awful and we should read it uh other than that have a great night guys and i'm sorry i couldn't make it bye Okay. okay Uh, that was his last. I, I don't know if he's sorry if he could make it or not. Yeah, <laughs> um, he doesn't say that at all in any of these emails so far. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've heard it's been actually making the rounds on Facebook. The Spider's Man. It's just uh, a Spider Man like it's it's the costume. It's the Spider Man costume, but with inside is literally thousands of spiders. I liked it when it was Swarm. Never swarm. I do. Yeah, yeah. Swarm was the. They never bring swarm back. Like all of of all of Spider Man's Rogues Gallery, swarm was badass. Remember him? Wasn't swarm part of the Straczynski shit, the Spider Totem yeah. stuff? Oh, was no, he? I don't, I don't remember. So. I, I don't think no. he was. No. He he was in Spectacular Spider Man, I think, mm-hmm. like Peter Parker, and then he was also in Spider Man and His Amazing Friends. Oh. The cartoon, the Ooh. cartoon. He oh, had I didn't a. Know that. He was like, it, you'd think that if he shows up in one of those, that he would have the nostalgia factor that someone would bring it back. But... Whenever I think of Swarm, I always picture him drawn by um, Mike Waringo. Hmm. Oh yeah, Mike Waringo brought him back one time too. Yeah, yeah. that was cool. Yeah, but um, but anyway, uh... we should probably say one more thing before we sign off. Um, good night, God bless, and Godspeed, oh. Stanley. Oh, Stanley. Yeah. Thank you yeah. for for reminding me to say yeah, that's oof. God damn it, that hit me hard today. Um he's the whole reason I have a comic shop. He's the whole reason I have uh we, that we do this podcast and you know, I don't speak for everybody, but the reason I you know, we do this podcast is uh He's the whole reason that I learned to read, basically, like uh, learning, you know, Marvel Comics, early Spider-Man stuff. Uh, My parents would buy me that because it would get me reading and everything. And um, it's just a very, very important contributor to my life. Um, Yeah. yeah. Well, it's like I I think that just by 
reading his comics, I mean, he was, uh, he was, he was like a writing teacher. He was a science teacher. Uh, he was a, you know, he taught me all of that. Everything I needed to know about science was in a lot of Marvel comics. Um, it and, really uh, shows. <laughs> shut up. That, those right. comics were actually um, very, like, broad-minded. You could tell that they didn't read just from uh, comic, just from comic books they read from like popular mechanics futuristic like stories like future like looking forward in science and uh really delving into science issues that you know have kind of come true today a lot of them have and i think that and also i i think that he's that he represents an era in comics that it's just we just don't have those comics anymore it doesn't feel like i mean aside from with grant morrison that was a that was a time when uh it was uh was full of dreamers and people who were just like um really full of these wild ideas and uh not only that but he was like a, a master showman just like pt barnum or or anyone else who would just he could sell a product more than anything and that was just be just by being himself and being a uh awesome like you know just he got you excited about comics he's you know it's the mighty marvel way and just the way he talked the way he talked about his work i think he was always he had to be proud of it you know i think that any person who's creative, I think, has to have a respect for what he's what he accomplished, and he's he's someone to inspi- aspire to. I think. Yeah, I agree. Excelsior! Yeah. Yeah, he was awesome. Um, all right, well, fuck. Thanks yeah. for joining us. Um, you can email us at cultpopgo at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail if you go to cultpopco.com and uh, click on the bright red banner. You can find Mark at mlmillerwrites.com. You could tweet at him at Mark underscore L underscore Miller. And, and ooh, that's any, about it. That's it. And then Rob Patey at robpatey.com or just. And also uh, robpatey.com, whatever. Google me at Rob Patey. I want to throw something out there. I want to start uh, doing some more podcasting. I don't want to burden the Jadal monster anymore. Throw me some ideas, peeps. What else would you like to hear me talk about? You've heard me rattle on about marketing, which I've done for 25 years, and a bunch of other stuff. Throw me some topics, please. Okay. Thank and, you. Yeah. And then, uh, oh, I have a Patreon. You can go to Patreon slash Johnny Destructo and uh, help the show out that way. And that's it. Thanks so much for joining us. Then we will talk at you later. Peace out. Uh, uh. Thanks so much for listening to Spoiler Alert. Check out all our shows, including the Cannibal Horrorcast, where we review classic and contemporary horror. Oh, it's so spooky. And Gutter Talk with the Black Tribbles. Recorded live every week at Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex in Nanyang, PA. Yeah.